When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Under center Mahomes, second down six from the 38. Hand off to Williams, got a block from the fullback. He's at the 35, the 30, breaks a tackle on the sideline, 20. Chasing him down the sideline, the 10, the 5, touchdown! That's it! That's it! A 38-yard touchdown run by Damian Williams. 112 to go, three touchdowns in the last five minutes of this game. And the Chiefs lead by 10, 30 to 20. Where are, are you going? Coming up. Something I've wanted to say my whole life. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Can I go with you? Yeah, you everybody's in <laughs> Kevin Harlan there on the call. Patrick Mahomes tweeted when he was in high school that he wanted to say, I'm going to Disney World, and guess what? He did, and then he also did. I saw his girlfriend tweeting out pictures of them at Disney World in Florida. So No sleep, huh? Good for Patrick Mahomes. No, when you win a championship, you're staying up all night and all the next day, for sure. And, and I'm like three days, you think? That the, uh, whatever your body will What's the allow. max that, that you can I'm, press your body? I'm going to say if you go any more than maybe 36 hours, you just collapse or start hallucinating. Sure. So he probably got a couple of naps in. But Patrick Mahomes, he is on top of the football and sports world with an amazing performance last night. And I want to start there, Judd, with just how great of a game this was. And also with what it says about Patrick Mahomes. Because I saw Dan Orlovsky talk today on ESPN about how this was his favorite Patrick Mahomes performance and one of the great quarterback performances that he had ever seen because of what Mahomes went through in that game. And I saw this morning from PFF that Nick Bosa had double-digit pressures by himself mm-hmm. in that game, which if you get seven, you've had a great game. If you've got five, that's, that's a pretty darn good game. If you get anywhere near 10 pressures, you have completely demolished the other person. And I think the guy who's blocking you has to retire. That's how Pat great. Elfland? That's how, well, it was, uh, what's his name? Jake Fisher, who was a former top pick, but he ain't as good as the other top pick he was facing. And for Mahomes to get whipped. For a lot of that game, Mm -hmm. to get beat up, Mm -hmm. to get hit, to have San Francisco playing every bit as tough as they played when they beat Aaron Rodgers 
just into the ground or when they beat Kirk Cousins into the ground to be down 10 in the fourth quarter in the biggest game in the world with 100 million people watching, your head coach's reputation on the line. Think about what this means to Andy Reid to have a Super Bowl. To come up with a sidearm off-balance 50-yard throw on third and 15 is so bleeping impressive that... I, I think we need to look at Patrick Mahomes not as ever being referenced toward anybody else ever again. Not, well, they should do what they did with Mahomes, and all you need is a quarterback like Mahomes. No, 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 no. This guy is on a different level. And for years to come, he is going to be that guy at the very top of the league. And even if he doesn't win a bunch more Super Bowls, he's going to be in the conversation every single year for MVP to go to the Super Bowl. I don't even care what his contract is. He is that good at football. And to watch him have to dig as deep as anybody's ever had to dig in the fourth quarter down by 10 to lead that comeback win, I I, I felt like this puts that Super Bowl on a different level in terms of my all-time favorites because of what the guy who won had to go through late in that game. And it's three postseason games, right? 24-0 down to Houston. 24-0 down to Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, not once but twice by 10 points. And then last night. And what, to me, is different about him, and there have probably been quarterbacks like this before, but I don't think it's the norm, is the absolute certainty of resiliency by that player. Yes. Like, did you ever look at him and think, he looks defeated? Like, you could, the body language of how many quarterbacks, Garoppolo, when you see him sort of just slump and you're like, ooh, they're in trouble, right? And the whole thing with the Chiefs yesterday and... um Matthew going over to the sideline defensively and melting down in the report from Chris Myers. He is melting down on the sideline. And how many times in football that affects a team adversely? And you never got the feeling, because of their quarterback, that the Chiefs were... They were in trouble. But you never felt like, this is it. They're dead. And throughout the course of that quarter, he just sort of shrugged off the whole thing. And he makes these incredible throws. But what's incredible is... is the body of work through three quarters was not that impressive, and all of a sudden now, with a, with a small amount basically of time left, he just goes to work and is surgical. and And I don't know how many quarterbacks I've seen like him that are are not just surgical but unaffected by what's going on around them. That's what that's what wows me. He has a different type of belief in himself and confidence that also comes across as leadership and not arrogance. So yeah. everyone can look to you and say, oh, well, this guy is calm and cool. We're down by 10. He just threw an interception. And I feel like Jimmy G got a little bit shook in the same way we've seen so many other quarterbacks and teams get shook by Tom Brady, mm-hmm. where they look over and it's, oh, that other guy, he's coming back. He's making those plays, and now we got to make something happen. And, and then you get an interception, or you get a bad throw, or you get a throw knocked down, as Jimmy G did, or you get a coach making mistakes, or, or you know game management, or getting too aggressive with play calling, or whatever. You just see that tension on the other side when yep. they know yep. that the other guy yep. is all-time great, and your guy isn't. And that was last night. We talked about this, I think, Friday, Myron and I. What would you, who would you rather be? Would you rather be San Francisco or KC 
down by four at the end of the game. Like you have Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, or you've got Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, I think we found out our answer last night, that Garoppolo is a very good quarterback. He got him ahead and made throws. At one point, he's 18 for 22. Yeah. And yet, at the end of the game, there was a sense, and actually the play we're watching right now is a good example, where even though they were up, they're taking penalties, they're jumping offside, they're overthrowing receivers. They're panicked. Yes. Kansas they're City, 10 and they're Kansas panicked. Kansas City never panicked. Yes. They're down. They look dead. They don't panic. San Francisco looked at looked at that game as, oh boy. And to your point, it's exactly that. Here he comes. Yep. And we can't stop him. And it's that simple. And, and I think the the difference there is, I think San Francisco is a really good team. And I think they're well coached. Now, now there, there were definitely some decisions made on Sunday that we could discuss that are, for to me, hard to process. But that does not mean that Kyle Shanahan's not a good coach. But Matthew, I think the difference is when you have that quarterback. And the arsenal around him. But more importantly, that guy, and it's an intangible who can just say, yeah, we're down by 10. Isn't that cute? Not, oh boy, we're down by 10. But he's just got that sense of complete calm, and and he has the physical gifts to basically say, no matter how this has to be done, I can largely do it by myself with some help from you. That's what was so impressive is it wasn't just... He throws a screen and the guy runs for 50 yards or something. It was Patrick Mahomes having to earn every inch of that. It was taking off to get on a second and 19 to get a first down. It's throwing off balance with pressure in your face, sidearm 50 yards down the field. Yeah. It, it was everything that needed to be done, and he was able to do it. And then he gets some plays around him. Of course, the defense stepped up for Kansas City, and Tyron Matthews screaming at them on the sideline seemed to help. They started to shut down the run a little bit, and San Francisco did not dominate on the ground. They ran a couple of jet sweeps that worked, but aside from that, it was not an overly impressive performance where you said, okay, the quarterback's going to be able to sit back and hand off all day. And they did good with that. And Chris Jones is going to make a lot of money uh, as a defensive tackle because he dominated. Dominated. But even as we're watching right now, we're in the fourth quarter. It's on NFL Network on our TCL TV in the TCL broadcast studio. And Mahomes takes off and runs for a first down. And then they go no huddle. But look at his face in this no huddle. There's there's no like over urgency. There's nope. no panic. And, nope. and the way he drops back, even just dropping back with the ball, it's not rushed. It's just, all right, let's go through the progressions. Who can do that? Very, I, very few. I think Russell Wilson can. I've, Wilson, I've seen him do that. It doesn't. He doesn't get flustered or phased by the circumstances. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. Brady, at, at the height of Brady, probably Russell Wilson can do that. Roethlisberger. Ro- okay, but definitely but Roethlisberger. It, it's probably five tops. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I think, is like that. I don't think Deshaun Watson gets too panicked. But we haven't seen him in one of these games. Exactly. Yet, so he, He's but he, the way he won the national championship. But of guys, who, of like guys that. we've seen in this game or, or huge games, it's probably about five guys. Yeah, there are, there aren't that many. There aren't that many. Maybe it's a stretch to say Deshaun Watson, but definitely Ben Roethlisberger. He was one of those guys that you would vote for if you're giving a final drive to a quarterback in his prime. You're giving it to him. You're definitely giving it to Tom Brady and probably Aaron Rodgers in his prime, of course, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. And there are a handful of others where you would say, yeah, maybe, but even Drew Brees got shaken up in the wild card game. Let's talk about Favre. And and Favre, you know, of Favre, course. Favre, there's some drives where you where you say, oh my God, he did that. But then there's some key drives where you say, again, oh my God, he did that? Right. So he, Favre is not across the board 
give him the ball and you're going to score. And that's where Mahomes has a lot of the Favre-like arm talent and a lot of the Favre-like confidence and the appreciation that his teammates have for him is so clear in the way they play. Like, they don't play panic. They play very calm. And we're just about to get to the point in the game watching it where they take a bad penalty and it's third and 15 and he has to make a special all-time great throw, and he does. Of course, Andy Reid drew up a great play. Lots of coaches drive up, uh, draw up great plays. The one at the end zone that they took from the 1948 Michigan Wolverines gr- is unbelievable super clever. piece of film. And of course, give Andy Reid credit for going for it on fourth down there, which all season long I've come in here and yelled and ranted like a crazy person about coaches not going too. for it. Yep. And uh, Kyle Shanahan did not go yep. for it on a fourth and two, where he probably should have. It was the same mistake Bill O'Brien made. You're underestimating Ex- the other quarterback by not going for Explain it. Explain the end of the first half to, to me and the fact that Shanahan didn't use timeouts. Well, okay, so I asked uh, our buddy Sage Rosenfels, who's going to join us at three, like what he thought happened there. Okay. And he was thinking that most punters usually don't kick it into the end zone, that they usually can pin it down in the 10-5 Mm-hmm. And that a minute and 40 seconds with two timeouts would be a, a bit of pressing it. And Jimmy G does throw picks. So if you're trying to make Jimmy Garoppolo be really aggressive from the five or the 10 yard line, oh, there's a possibility it. that they were worried about throwing picks. Now, mm. I, I disagree with that philosophy. I hate to live that way. I like to be aggressive. And even when they kicked it into the end zone, okay, it's at the 20. Well, now you're a little bit away from the end zone. Like, be aggressive. And they ran it. And ran the clock down on themselves. Right. Here's the thing with the Kyle Shanahan mistakes, though. And this goes to they run it, get five yards, a second and five. They've got a chance to start killing clock with runs, and they throw. And it's an incompletion. And they throw again. And it's an incompletion. And they take very, very little time. I think if you are just judging the process of some of these things, that Kyle Shanahan's night wasn't as bad as it seemed. Patrick Mahomes' night was as good as it seems. That's the way I look at this, is that you can usually play that way. You can make mistakes, some are, some aren't, or you could put it in the hands of your quarterback and expect him on second and five to get you a completion when he's a 70% completion guy. Or you could hope that your defense that was one of the best in the league, arguably number one defense in the entire league, to stop the other team's quarterback when you're up 10. But this quarterback it's is different. just different. It's a different he's world, just man. different. It's a different world. Um, and they, they could adjust to what San Francisco was trying to do pretty quickly. I, I loved, I think I read this this morning, I loved the adjustment. So, wisely, the 49ers started the game with Sherman on Kelsey. And the Chiefs are like, oh, okay, forget this. They slide Kelsey inside to become basically a blocker and say, okay, Richard, who are you going to cover now? So, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, if you look at what, Reed and Bienemy and that offensive staff does quickly. It's impressive. But you're right. This comes down to one thing, and that is a quarterback who, in the face of not playing great, says, I don't really care. I'm fine. And and that's why that's why when you get these opportunities at combines and senior bowls to sit down with these kids, that you have to delve down to find out the mentality, right? I mean, we're we're watching this throw right now. And Patrick Mahomes makes that deep throw to Hill like it's nothing. Yes. I mean, it's a hell of a throw. I had this thought last night when he makes that play, because you're talking about the combine, and while I 
think there's some value to getting a quarterback in a room and seeing what he knows and and have an idea of what you're getting yourself into. How far along is he? How much do you have to teach him about NFL football? Which I'm sure, Mahomes, you probably had to teach a lot after he was at Texas Tech and was just running around and throwing all over the place that he probably had to be taught a lot of structure. And he thanked Alex Smith last night for helping him get to be better at understanding the game. And I know it's delicious that he did that, but also classy, I thought, because Alex Smith could have been a total jerk to him, and he wasn't, from my understanding. He was really great to him. But what I look at, if you're scouting your college players in general, and this goes for someone like Tyron Matthew, too, if you want a truly special player who's going to change your franchise, like Patrick Mahomes... You have to look for guys who did stuff in college and even high school that was just unreal. Like what Tyron Matthew did at LSU, even though he got thrown out of LSU, was unbelievable. He's one of the most exciting college players. They would put him at kick return, at punt return. He would get picks like crazy. He just had this this next-level type of understanding of the game and this freakish uh, ability to spot route combinations and things like that in college. And he was a college legend, like right there. And the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. His numbers in college are preposterous. In in like 13 games, he was throwing for over 5,000 yards, and he had every bit the NFL arm. It wasn't like a Tebow situation where he just couldn't actually throw it. Uh, It it was a, a university that didn't have superstar receivers or anything else like that, and what he did was just straight-up legendary. And so when I look at this draft, and I think about it through the eyes of the Vikings, you shouldn't be saying, well, just get Mahomes, because it's the same situation. Well, that guy is a different breed. He's one in a generation. He's, you know, he's your John Elway or something of this generation, which is probably the closest comparison I can come up with. But, and even Elway took a lot longer to win. But if you look at the guy who did legendary stuff, who you might be able to get, yep. it's Tua Tagovailoa. Correct. Came off the bench as a freshman in a national championship game and won, played at the highest level in the SEC, and put up crazy good numbers. If there's one guy who we're talking about has some, I, I know that his hip is hurt, but he has athleticism and a leadership quality you really love. This is a guy who threw 87 touchdowns and 11 picks mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. That's that. I think a lot of Vikings fans were watching that game last night thinking, boy, they should really trade up for Tua. Well, yeah, and I agree completely. And I think the conversation isn't because you're not going to get Mahomes exactly, all right? Of course. Odds are, odds are, it's not going to happen. But I think there is a fair conversation in where is your franchise going? And you can see that the impact that this new generation of quarterbacks has on this game. And right now for teams, and San Francisco is really good, but they fall into this too. For teams like the Vikings, Niners, it sort of feels like they're driving a 2010 car that's really nice. <laughs> But the cars have evolved completely and are changing, and they're, the, the backup camera, and yeah, and they're changing, Bluetooth. and and they're changing in a huge fashion, right? Yeah. In a huge fashion. So Tua strikes me, and here's what's intriguing: if the medicals come back good, you've got the luxury, and I know it would cost you a ton, but you've got the luxury of he sits behind Kirk for a solid year, and you know it, it helps if Kirk is nice, but if Kirk's not nice, it's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, he gets that year to learn, which is a luxury, but I think it's important. And you sort of see the buildup then to 2021, and it's got to seem tempting. It has to at least seem tempting. Yep. And, and especially with the mobility aspect of it, 
of watching the offensive line struggle about as much as you could possibly struggle in that game last night. And I don't have the PFF numbers yet. I don't think that they're up. I'll check again. But uh, for how often he was pressured. But it was an outrageous amount. He's pressured all night long. And yet still finds a way to to move, to get away. All right, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got, I've got the numbers. Give me one second. I'll pull it up. And how often he was pressured. Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 21 of 51 dropbacks. And, of course, his numbers were not overall great because he took four sacks and had picks, but found ways to make plays when he was being pressured half the time in that game. And here's the crazier thing. San Francisco only blitzed seven times. So that means they were putting pressure on him (laughs) like that with four guys. And yet, he was able to overcome it, in part because of his athleticism, in part because of this so baller mentality they, and confidence that he has. They they succeeded then in doing everything that they did to the Vikings and Packers. Yes. The only difference, only difference, just a small difference, was, yep. was the quarterback. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is that they faced quarterbacks who hold on to the ball longer than anybody else in the NFL, in Cousins and in Aaron Rodgers. And in this world... With edge rushers that are that freakish, like Nick Bosa, on almost every team, I'm not sure how you could go deep in the playoffs when you know whatever team you're going to face probably has three absolute freaks on the defensive line. Unless, even if you have a great offensive line, which Kansas City's is good, not great, but if even if you have a great offensive line, they're still going to get mauled by those guys. Mm -hmm. Those guys just win and win and win. And that's where... You look at it and you go, Kirk is a very, very good quarterback who can probably only get you so far, very similarly to Alex Smith. And there is a fair comparison. Even though you're not going to get Patrick Mahomes, there's a fair comparison to that situation. I think it's very fair to ask a simple question. Does what the Vikings want to do to be successful translate to a Super Bowl team? With with the quarterback, with the scheme, because I think it's a good team. I think his team can win 10 games, 11 games maybe. So I'm not saying that they're not a playoff team. I'm not disparaging them and saying they stink. But I am saying that if you look at, if your ultimate goal is a Super Bowl and a potential Lombardi trophy, does what they're trying to do in today's game, because today's game has changed, man. That's just the truth. We watched football 10 years back, and it does not look like football looks now. Does that translate? The one thing I would say is in the AFC... Patrick Mahomes is Lord King for now and probably will stay in that conversation for a long time. Lamar Jackson, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going anywhere. And even guys like Drew Locke might be really good. I don't know. Who knows who the next quarterback who comes up in this draft is? Who knows if Sam Darnold surprises us and is great? Or Baker Mayfield, who's the number one overall pick? I think that they have a lot of really great quarterbacks in the AFC. In the NFC... The picture is just so much shadier that what we're seeing is kind of like every year some new NFC team pops up. The problem is you were already that team in 2017. Correct. And you didn't get there. And now making a roster around Kirk Cousins that's strong enough like that 2017 one was again, I just have a tough time seeing it. Especially with where they are with the key players and the ages of them. Like even... Harrison Smith, who is making a case for being a Here, Hall of Famer someday, is he's 30 years old or 31 years old. Here's my question, though. My my premise is not based so much on quarterbacks and, and, and their faults and them not being good. My question is based on the fact that, to me, the way the defenses and the speed have changed 
is 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 so different now. Mm-hmm. You've got yep. ends that come from both at both ends now. It's not just the right end. Um, you've got guys that can that are nose tackles who can rush. Yep. So my question is, if you if you do if if what San Francisco did defensively, which is in some ways ideal, and that is a ton of pressure with with sometimes or lots of times four guys. If you're able to do that consistently, does the style of quarterback to whom we had been accustomed does it work against th- those teams? Because we saw the Packers do this to Cousins, we saw San Francisco, we saw about three or four teams, Chicago, yeah. Chicago, and he had I don't want to say no chance, but it felt like his chances were minimal because a he was flustered and b he didn't know where the pressure was coming from. So here's a question for you. Could you try to, I think the answer is yes, and, and the route that they should go, play both sides of the coin. So you look at the NFC next year and you go, all right, San Francisco's probably going to be back. Arizona's going to be better. Seattle is really good. I don't know what's going on with the Saints. I don't know what's going on with Tampa, but both of them are probably good because they've got a lot of talent on those teams. The NFC North is wide open. I don't expect 13 wins out of the Packers next year. I don't know what to think of the Lions. Matt Patricia's probably fired by week four. Chicago, as long as they have that quarterback, is not a real threat. And the NFC East stinks outside of Philadelphia and Dallas, but Philadelphia, I think, is fading. It's it's falling apart from what they had a couple of years ago. And so you look at this and go, I mean, there's no reason to think that you're not going to be in that conversation again. As a team that just has a lot of talent with two of the best receivers in the league, a couple of good tight ends, and still a lot on defense, even if you lose Everson Griffin, you can replace that. Is there a case to say, you know what, let's draft that quarterback in the first round Mm -hmm. and do whatever we want to do, and then (laughs) still go for it? Because that's what Kansas City did. When they drafted Mahomes, they didn't say, okay, well, let's go 3-13. and 13. No, they kept Alex Smith in place, and they went for it, and it didn't work out for them. And then they turned the ball over to Patrick Mahomes. This position is so important in football and always has for the entire history of the forward pass mm-hmm. that all the best quarterbacks win Super Bowls. And... Except for Dan Marino, but that's you know it's like every every year uh, you get uh, every once in a while you get an outlier, but every year it's some great legendary quarterback in the Super Bowl at very least. Sure, right. So why would you not try to upgrade that at all times whenever an opportunity presents itself? So if Tua Tagovailoa passes through the the first ten teams or something, and you're twenty fifth, is there any reason not to oh, take no, your pick no, and no. trade up? No. If if he passes that much, absolutely because not. even if it blows up in your face, I'd it was still right. I'd consider trying to go up to get him. This is what we thought about Sam Bradford. It's a good comparison because even with Sam Bradford, they traded a first, yeah. and that first turned into a decent edge rusher for Philadelphia. It was still a good who trade. didn't make much of a difference outside of well, he played and a, they, a good Super Bowl. And they and they wisely and rightfully addressed a major problem that was not their fault. Right, in Bradford. Yes. yes. So. Um, but my point is, if they don't, if they just stick around okay. and draft for the first round pick, and they don't trade for Bradford, they're not even that. they're not even slightly competitive. And yet, that didn't ruin the franchise. Here's Trading my question a first for round you. pick for Bradford didn't ruin the franchise. Do you think that the head coach, whose t- whose time as far as this job, we don't know how much is left or security? Do you think that he would go for that, and that they would say to him, "Too bad," because the one thing I think, because. Zim's an old school football guy. So he'd say we got to address needs immediately. We're trying to win for 2020, 
But I'm with you. I would say, Mike, uh-uh. We can still be good. We're still going to have plenty of talent. Yeah. And we're going to go up and get this kid. But do you think that Mike would go for that or make a desperate attempt to try to block that thought process? I th- I don't know because figuring out how Mike Zimmer feels about Kirk Cousins is extremely hard. I knew exactly how he felt about Teddy Bridgewater. He loved him like a son. And Keenum, same way. I knew exactly how he yeah. felt about Keenum. And I even knew how right. he felt about Bradford. When Sam Bradford was on the station um, a few months ago, I said, you and Zimmer were close, right? Because like, we knew that. But with Cousins, I feel like he's just said, Gary, it's your problem. Kevin Stefanski, before he went to Cleveland, you deal with him. I don't want to deal with him. And anytime he was asked about Cousins, it's, well, you know, I mean, if we lose, it's probably on the defense, too, or something. You I know, think it's just this very wishy-washy. I think Mike tolerates him. Yeah, I think he knows that That'd he's my best talented enough to win with, but probably resents him for how much cap space he spends and can't sign more cornerbacks. Um, but I don't know if he's married to him. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like if this was Teddy Bridgewater, we were having the same conversation, that Mike would be standing on the table saying, you will not take Teddy Bridgewater oh, yeah. away from me. No, 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 no. And that, and that doesn't feel that way with Kirk. And if, But here's the thing. The Gary influences everything. If Gary says to Mike, you know what? He's good, but I can do better, or you can use that extra cap space, and I can get this same out of somebody else who might be a little more dynamic and can move around a little, he could convince Mike. That's who it's going to come down to is how Gary feels about it. If Gary tells the front office and Mike Zimmer, I think I can win with Cousins, let's re-sign him, let's keep him, I think that's what they do. I think they really, really like and trust Gary Kubiak. I would hope that Gary would be smart enough not to say that. Because you got to bring Kirk back, I get that. But the smart play would be for Gary, Mike, and Rick to sit down and say, what can we do? How much would we have to give up to get to up? I really, really think for the sake of this franchise, and I know people are going to say it's too much, they can't do it, it's not going to happen. But you know what? At some point in time, this franchise, which again, I'll go back to this. This is the most important point. Has not had a true franchise quarterback since Francis Tarkington, who I believe just turned like 80 years old, okay? And we also overrate... Things like, and it's weird to say, but first round picks, if they're not at the very top. Sure. If they're at the very top, that's when you're talking about franchise changing players. But if they're not at the very top, even this team's first picks, I mean, in the Zimmer era, Anthony Barr is an overpaid linebacker who you could probably replace. You have Trey Wayans, who is not a bust, but also not good. And then what? There was uh, Treadwell, complete yeah, bust. bust. Right. And your receivers were developed from the undrafted pool yep. and a tryout and yep. the fifth round. Yep. You have a lot of players on the roster who are developed from other areas because you're good at spotting them. Your front office is really good at that. This is the one area where it's worth spending whatever it takes there. That the first round picks overall have not had a huge impact on this franchise recently. It's usually the guys they develop. Mm-hmm. So if you can use. That skill of developing well, people in other places to to allow yourself to use a first round pick on a quarterback, even if even if Kirk decides, you know what, I'm staying, and they decide we love him because he won 14 games next year. Let's even say you just trade the guy, and then someone else will give you a first round pick. You can always do it. Even Josh Rosen went for a second. Or you can say. You won 14 games, but we lost in the second round of the playoffs, yep. and this guy yep. won't. And, and the other intriguing thing, and this is not going to be long-term here, is if they have internally the faith in Gary 
And if Gary is, and I don't know this, but it would not surprise me, the quarterback whisperer, and he's in oh, your he, building, and he's he in is, your building. Yeah. But my point is, yep. if he comes to him and says, "I got the guy," you don't have a lot of people in Egan who can say quarterback wise, "I've identified that guy." Right? Okay, we got to hit a break, Judd. But just now, as we're talking, uh-huh. Mike Renner, one of the best evaluators out there, Pro Football Focus draft guy, posted an article with this as a headline: "Tua Tagovailoa is the type of prospect you trade up for." As we're having the conversation. That's that's why we are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we yep. are what we are. Yep. That's why we are. That's a sign. Uh, all right. I use the eyeball emojis to retweet it if you want to see it. It's that, of course yep, you did. It's, it's eyeball that time emoji year. season. Yep, we're here. Love when eyeball emoji season all right. I cannot wait for the amount of reckless speculation, the turbo snark, the Mach 3. we got to bring that back. You have to find that in the system, Jonathan. Uh, but what we will be doing for sure all offseason is hot routes, and that's what we have when we return. Matthew Collar, Judd Zelgad. It is Purple Daily on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download Purple Daily underway, and we'll get you back to that in just a moment. But first, you can join Team Mackey and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th at the Capella Tower. As we raise money to fight blood cancer, donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword climb. Over the weekend, we learned that former Vikings guard Steve Hutchinson will enter the Hall of Fame in August. The seven-time Pro Bowler and five-time All-Pro is the 13th player to have spent a large portion of their career with the Vikings to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Joining Hutchinson in this year's class of inductees is Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce, Edron Dreams, and Troy Palomalu. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! All right, let's jump right into it, Jonathan. Keep that NFL Films music ramped up because. I mean, what a great Super Bowl it was. 31-20, Kansas City, and when they go back and look at the score, when people are like, oh, I wonder what happened in that Super Bowl, that score will not be representative of how good it was. Twenty-four. We're watching it right now. It's, yep. There's a minute 40 seconds left. It's 24-20. I mean, the, the tension is just through the roof at that point. Yep. And big-time plays being made by the Chiefs, mistakes being made by Jimmy G, and, and the San Francisco 49ers kind of choking with... Patrick Mahomes coming up huge. It was really, really a great back-and-forth Super Bowl, top to bottom. It was excellent. So, we begin hot routes with the first question, Judd and Jonathan. After seeing the best and worst of Jimmy G last night, really good in the first half, but when they needed him, he couldn't uh, pull it off. Where would you rank Jimmy Garoppolo among NFC quarterbacks? Yeah, we just watched the overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders. It was so close. What was it, about two yards, three yards? Yep. 
Uh, Where would you rank Jimmy G among NFC quarterbacks? You want me to go first? Yes. All right, I actually rank them because that is how seriously I take hot rods. Do you got Drew Brees still in the league? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. I've got the status quo for most teams. Uh, I dropped some guys based on the unknowns of their health, i.e. Cam Newton. Uh, But right now I've got Russell Wilson 1, Drew Brees 2, I moved Kyler Murray up to three. Oh, wow. Which is a gutsy, gutsy. Hot this, this is the, this type of gutsy call you get hot from me on hot, hot routes. Dak Prescott at four. Aaron Rodgers I have somewhat begrudgingly at five. I put Cousins at six and Jimmy G right behind him behind at seven. Behind Cousins. Behind Cousins. One spot behind Cousins. That's an overreaction. And one spot. It's a bit uh, of an overreaction. That's one, an overreaction. And one spot yep. ahead of Carson Wentz. Because I can't decide if Carson Wentz is ever going to be healthy. Yeah, he's always hurt. But anyway, I think once you get past in my world, Dak, so it goes Rogers, Cousins, Jimmy G, Carson Wentz. And I can't believe I'm saying this about Aaron. You sort of mix them up there, but that's why I'm. Jonathan? Wow. That is quite the bold list you have there. That is a take. I think you mentioned this in the first segment that the quarterbacks in the NFC don't seem to stack up as well as they do in the AFC. Going forward, or at least not the high end. Yeah, the, not the low end. end might, but the high end definitely not. Yeah. So my high end is Russell Wilson and Drew Brees because I'm assuming Drew Brees is still in the league next year. Because from everything he said, sounds like he's going to play next year. After that, it's all kind of just everyone's the same. And I have Jimmy G as the top of that because he's led his team to the Super Bowl the most recent. Between all those guys, between Jimmy G, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott hasn't done it yet, and Kirk Cousins hasn't done it yet. I am in total agreement with you, Jonathan, that everything else is a cluster of the same yeah. guy. Yeah. It's like a bunch Make of a gutsy the, call, it's guys. Like a, Come on. A, a bunch of the Spider Man meme. I think, like, I think Jer- Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, mm-hmm. who's better than who? I, I mean, I think Dak Prescott is a little bit better than those guys. But still, I don't see him in the playoffs, so that's kind of a problem, even though they had a, a good passing game this year. Carson Wentz was on the route to being an MVP when he had an unbelievably stacked team that the backup took over yeah. and dominated yeah. with. Yep. Wentz had a gutsy performance to get them into the playoffs this year, but I'm not sure that he's a guy you would bet on winning a Super Bowl anytime soon because I think he has some flaws to his game, even though I like him. But that's that's how I would categorize all these guys, even with old Cam Newton. Where, like Maybe after a year off he could find it, yeah, but, but I don't know. There's still a lot of flaws there with him. So I think Wilson, there... Wilson is the best by a mile. And Breeze is still mm-hmm. up there. And Breeze is if he continues to play. And I actually totally agree with you on the Kyler Murray bit because Murray has the potential to be better than all these guys because of his athleticism. Yep. And he's got a great arm, too, and a great offensive coach, I think. And I like Dak. I like Dak, I too. still like Dak. I'll take the dynamic guys first. And I don't even know what Daniel Jones is going to be. His organization stinks. But Yeah, I've got him way low. And the same thing with Washington. I don't know what Dwayne Hassel well, is going to be. but his And is Stafford going to bounce back in Detroit? Is, Detroit, is, is Stafford going to be dealt? Speaking of reckless this speculation. This is so hard to figure out. And where's Teddy Bridgewater going to be? Is he going to play for Tampa? Because then I'd put him up there, too. I'll take the dynamic guys and put them up toward the top. But the, but I don't also want to degrade Jimmy Garoppolo's really good season where they were one of the most explosive passing games in the NFL. He beat Drew Brees in the Superdome 48-46. Yep. And was 18 for 22 at one point playing great in this game. And then he got Mahomes like everybody else. So 
I don't know. Well, he's I, mortal. Mahomes he was, isn't. He was very, very close to winning the Super Bowl last night. And then we would be saying, if he had won, if he completes the pass to Emmanuel Sanders, we're saying, oh my God, Jimmy G is the most clutch quarterback ever. And Shanahan's calling great plays, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he got scared in the second half of that a little bit. I also thought, real quick as an aside, and I know we're a little short on this Hot Routes time, so we'll speed it up uh, after this, but the sideline reporter might have been Aaron Andrews, who talked to Kyle Shanahan, yeah, said he, he is still infuriated at the call at the end of the half. And I thought, oh, I don't like that for San Francisco. That their head coach hasn't let it go, the call on oh, George the, Kittle when he obviously pushed off. Yeah, that was like, not a terrible call. He was call. really blowing his top there, and I'm just not sure that's well, what he you want. He was screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah, I don't know that was He went zim on that one. All right, next uh, question. Veins popping out of his neck. Terrell Suggs, one of us, or one of you guys, and sort of me, uh, he gets another Super Bowl ring this time with the Chiefs. Very cool. He got cut by the Cardinals. I think they did it as a courtesy to him. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he ends up winning the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I want you guys to tell me who your favorite guy is who played for mostly one team for a lot of their career, maybe two, and then got kind of a random Super Bowl at the end of their career. Who is your favorite, Judd? Because this is a hot route. led by our friend Matthew Collar, I'm going to go with a fullback. Yes. 2003 <laughs> Patriots had an old yes. guy who I actually once owned in fantasy football in the 90s, Larry Centers. Larry Centers, yeah, a man like of, of many neck rolls and many receptions, a fullback He's fullback. so good at coming out of the backfield. The 2003 Patriots won a Super Bowl with Larry Centers. I actually did not remember that he won that Super Bowl. I did some research. Good for you. Told you. Good job. Mine would be a former Viking. He didn't spend a major. He spent. He had two stints here in Minnesota. Brad Johnson, the quarterback of the 2002 sure, Tampa yeah, Bay Buccaneers, that's a good one. Won the Super Bowl with them against the Oakland Raiders. You know he had he bounced around Minnesota, Washington, and then lands in Tampa where he just gets lucky and has John Gruden as his head coach hmm. to lead him to a Super Bowl. Did you guys know that Moeldy Moore won a Super Bowl? Yep, Pittsburgh, right? It's great. <laughs> He's not my pick, but that's great. Moeldy Moore, yeah. I was just poking around f- for some more that I might run into. But- Byron Leftwich was I'm the engaged. backup for uh, Roethlisberger. That's awesome. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I was on no boat. I'm engaged. The boat issue. <laughs> so I, there was a boat. Thanks, Moeldy. I, I was trying to figure out if this guy qualifies because he was one of my favorite receivers, but he had a longer career than when he won the Super Bowl. Anquan Bolden. He spent yeah. most of his career with Arizona from ages 23 to 29 and then three years with Baltimore. And his last year with Baltimore won the Super Bowl okay. at age 32. Yeah. And then you know, he's, he had a couple of good years after that with San Francisco and then a decent season with Detroit. But a guy who I thought was great for a long time, didn't always get his due because he was behind Larry Fitz, and then he gets to Baltimore and wins the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with Anquan Bolden. I'm sure there's lots. 2003 lots Pats also had Ted Washington. The Patriots love Ted this. Ted Washington, your guy. The Patriots love well, this. One of the great fat guys of all time. I love that's, Ted Washington. That's all you really have to do is just search the Patriots teams because they always have these guys. I gave you a fullback and an old school nose tackle. Ted Washington was amazing. He was really good. He was great. Um, you could even kind of go a little bit like... Uh, LeGarrette Blunt was a num- another sort of like random yeah, guy. Yeah, he bounced around. We'll kind of get right. to that a little bit later. Um, so our uh, next question, Patrick Mahomes tweeted when he was in high school that he wanted to go to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl. He wanted to be the quarterback who said that on TV. And guess what? He did it last night. If you guys could make a sports thing come true 10 years from now by tweeting it right now, tell me what your tweet is. Jonathan? 
I'm going to go a little bit closer to home. The Vikings winning their second or third Super Bowl with two as their QB. Ooh. I am going on on the same theme with I am going to Disneyland in Los Angeles because I want it to be a thing again, man. <laughs> I went as a kid. Everybody went when I was a tyke. Everybody talked about Disneyland. Jed wants to go to Disneyland. You can just go now. No, yeah. but I'm just saying. Wait no, I want it to be a thing though. Oh, now you want it's the Disney court, World? You, oh, I see. Yeah, now it's always for for the last 35 years. It's been Disney World in Orlando. Whatever happened to Disneyland in Anaheim, California? I believe. Wow. This is I, the I, lamest hot take. I want Disneyland to be. I want Disneyland to be a thing again. Make Disneyland great again. It's that is still a thing. So lame. <laughs> I'm so confused. I, it's a long story, man. Wow. Disneyland was a thing. That's super lame. Hey, uh, I'm coming back strong with the next one. I, so I think uh, make I, way. I think what I'm gonna say is that I'd like I, I'd like to tweet. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes for passing Tom Brady with your number of Super Bowls. <laughs> because, you know, Brady's annoying. And it would be great if someone that is so likable, you cannot hate Patrick Mahomes. No. So assuming that between now and then he doesn't become a supervillain, that yep. he just remains Patrick Mahomes, yep. it would be great to see him just keep winning Super Bowls. And football is dynasties. It always has been, you know, the idea that there's a ton of parody is not really correct. So... I wouldn't mind if the next dynasty is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Odds that his last team is the Vikings. Oh, 80%? I go I'm actually surprised Brady's not playing for the Vikings right now. You know what? If if, if it wasn't <laughs> oh, for that darn the... Cousins, the Brady conversation would oh, be hot be so and heavy great. right now. Right. And you know there's a chance in July it would happen. Next question. Uh, Damian Williams made a good case himself for Super Bowl MVP. One of the many random running backs to star in the big game, fellas. Give me your favorite running back who is good in the Super Bowl, but by no means a superstar whatsoever. This one's easy for me. Super Bowl 22, Washington, Denver, Timmy Smith. Timmy Smith. Timmy Smith, 204 yards in, by the way, his first career start and two rushing touchdowns. A a life full of, I believe, suspensions and drug (laughs) abuse, real sad stuff. But Timmy Smith, Super Bowl 22, easy one. Mine is Super Bowl Forty One. Both of the running backs for the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, that's that was my pick. <laughs> One hundred ninety yards rushing for Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai, and then they, then Joseph Adai has ten receptions for sixty six yards in that game as they win. Dominic Rhodes was my pick because just Dominic Rhodes. What, who? <laughs> uh, I'll I'll get one though. Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis. He what caught the game-winning catch against uh, the Falcons, right? Wasn't that him, or was that James White? Maybe it was James White. It might have been James. James White. White's the... still super random. I mean, he's a good player. Yeah. Well, there's a but... ton of these. Okay, again, no, if you look at the Patriots rosters, White? Deion Lewis. It's any Patriot. <laughs> Not fully prepared. All right, James, James uh-uh. White. I got it now. James White had 14 catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't Deion Lewis. Uh, it was James White. But the fact that they're so interchangeable can also be brought up. Any Patriot running back would be the correct answer to that. But also, Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Bradshaw had the touchdown against the Patriots where he tried to sit down on the one-yard line to keep That's right, and running. then he just fell just backwards. Fell oh, I've got this one. I've got this one. I should have thought of this because he played for the UB Bulls. James Starks. James Starks. Started in the Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers yeah, in 2010. James I remember James Starks. Starks yeah. That's my favorite. 
Manny, Manny is texting answers, but there is a ton of no, those. No, Manny. no, Manny. The National the Football no. League is full of running backs who you heard of one day. Okay, Manny's is good though. Michael Pittman had 124 yards on 29 carries. Running backs, man. Running backs. You, get, you know what? You can find them. Last question. You don't uh, have to pay them. Yeah, that's a long conversation we're going to have. You don't have to pay them. About running backs just, and paying I'm just them. Trying to help the people out in, in Egan. Uh, the Chiefs winning after such a crazy long drought of Super Bowls since Len Dawson was smoking cigarettes on the sideline. Oh, and drinking Shasta at half it's, it's It's great. Like that's it. There's no way you can hate the Kansas City Chiefs. You just can't. I, Why I would you? I don't Why would you know, want right, to? They, would ne- they never win. They're, they've got so many legendary names. Great uniforms. Great uniforms, great stadium. Everything about them is great. If you love football, you love the Chiefs, or at least appreciate the Chiefs. So them winning last night is super cool. Aside from the Vikings, who would be the next franchise to break a long drought where you'd go, hey, you know, good for them? I have two here. The first one, I look for owners who seem to run the organizations correctly, and I'm going to go with the Falcons here just because Arthur Blank seems to run that organization correctly. He's Should got have fired his stadium. coach, but yes. Should have fired his coach. He's kept Matt Ryan around, has has a lot of good offensive talent. And the other one is the Oakland Raiders just because that – or not Oakland now, Las Vegas Raiders, because that party, that parade in Las Vegas would be outstanding. Parade, yeah. Last four days. <laughs> I want them to be punished forever for going to Vegas. It's just sad to me. So I thought about this question. I thought, you know, I could do the lazy thing, right? Oh, the Cleveland Browns would be fun. Or Detroit, the Detroit Lions. No, no, no. I'm going with a franchise that won back-to-back Super Bowls in the early 70s. Last one in 1973 and hasn't won one since. The last time they appeared in one was with Dan Marino as the quarterback in 84. Mm-hmm. The Miami Dolphins. Yeah. because of close up, calls. Yeah. 94, they lost by one point to the Chargers. And I grew up with the Dolphins as a really good franchise. Yep. Like, really, really solid. And they're not well run now. They're sort of a dumpster fire. But there's something about the Dolphins being good that I would like to see again. I'm going to go with the Phoenix Cardinals. <laughs> because the Phoenix Cardinals, no, I mean, the, you know, Arizona, but they've been through a lot. They've been through a hell of a lot. The Neil Lomax era. They made a Super Bowl. They made a Super Bowl, but they didn't win. And that's part of it is they get Washed up Kurt Warner to have another great run at it. Yep. And they had Larry Fitz for so long, one of these all-time great players, and that was his only chance. Yep. I think it's kind of a cool organization. They got a great logo. I don't know if they're super well run. Probably not. But they've just been around for so long and been so irrelevant. Well, they've, they've just they've been, been a in punching Chicago, bag They've been forever. in Chicago, St. Louis, Arizona. It would be great to see them win. And... The Rams were close last year. They would be in this conversation as well. But also, I will throw out the Cincinnati Bengals. No, not well run. Why? By any means. They don't deserve it. But their little run in the 80s with Boomer Esiason and Sam Weish, it was, it was cool. I'd love to see the Bengals be relevant. The fact again. they practice they probably below a freeway be. really. I know. You can't let that go. Really loses me. Uh, Judd, thank you for your time. Thank you, gentlemen. Our friend Sage Rosenfels is coming in next, and we're going to continue to break down the Super Bowl and what it means for the Vikings as well. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Good afternoon and welcome to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels in studio. And Sage, I am still pumped up 
about last night's game. 31 to 20, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers. And let's just start with the big picture here. It was a great game, and it was great to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. Like The big takeaways are great game, great Super Bowl, worth your time. Andy Reid is now a Super Bowl champion, which is awesome, and Patrick Mahomes is probably going to do this a lot, I think. Patrick Mahomes is the new face of the NFL. I know Lamar Jackson was the MVP, but I do think Mahomes, with winning the Super Bowl with his style of play, it's so fun to watch. The Kansas City Chiefs, if somehow he doesn't get hurt over the next like 15 years, I can see them back in this game or in, in AFC Championship games like every other year or something over the course of the next 15 years. I, I really think this is the beginning of uh, uh, of some Super Bowl runs. Maybe Andy Reid uh, you know, g- gets a few at the end of his coaching career, a Hall of Fame coaching career probably before he was even in this game, but now definitely stamped that he will be going to Canton at some point. Uh, but yeah, the better team won, uh, the better quarterback won. I think overall just... That was the biggest difference maker in the game, and Garoppolo didn't play terrible, and, and he's not a bad quarterback by any means. I, I think he's a top-half quarterback in the NFL amongst the starters, but Pat Mahomes is definitely on a completely different level, and his you know being behind by double-digit scores in every playoff game and then winning all these playoff games and uh, you know scoring 21 on an answer to finish that football game last night. Pat Mahomes is on a whole different level. He has the confidence. He has the scramble ability. He has the huge arm. He has the accuracy. Uh, nothing phases him. Uh, he won that football. You know that that football was decided because of the quarterback situation, and and that was uh, you know Pat Mahomes was was the deciding factor. So we've seen Pat Mahomes pull off some crazy things. They come back from down twenty four. And they put up, what was it, 50 points in that game. And he throws for all sorts of crazy yards and everything else. The Texans game we're talking about, yeah. 51 points in three quarters. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, last year he's over 50 touchdowns or at 50 touchdowns. He wins the MVP. And he's a stats monster. But that might have been the most impressed I've ever been with him because I cannot imagine what it feels like to be down 10 points in the Super Bowl when you haven't played well and the other team is kicking your ass. Like Nick Bosa had more than 10 pressures in that game, which never happens. If you get five pressures in a game as a defensive end, you've done a really good job. If you get seven or eight, you probably dominated the game. So Nick Bosa had a case for the MVP of that game because he dominated so much. They were in Mahomes' face all night long. He was getting hit. He was getting run into. He was getting pressured. He was getting sacked. And then he makes some bad throws. And and we just haven't seen that before. We haven't seen him look human before, but that's what happens when you get pressured. And to come back and make the most of those opportunities after he throws the bad interception uh, where Tyreek Hill can't knock the ball down and hits off his hand, it goes into San Francisco's hands, and, and you think, this is over. Ten points at San Francisco's I didn't, I didn't think back. I didn't think it was over. I, I, I didn't either. But, but it I, felt like, okay, there's it, it, this is going to be interesting here. There's a, there's a real chance that looks like San Francisco. I think I saw last night on uh, Scott Van Pelt, at that point it was like 91% chance that the 49ers are going to win the game after. I believe there's about 11 minutes left. Right, but the they didn't factor... Pat Mahomes Mahomes, is the quarterback. And for him to come back and make the third and 15 throw. So you think about it, he makes a great throw to Tyreek Hill, but Hill traps it. 
and that would have been a first down. So all of a sudden he's got third and 15, and this is what you and I talk about all the time with big situations and great quarterbacks. Third and 15, Super Bowl down by 10. Your chances are less than 10% to win the game at that point, and he finds Tyreek Hill on a bomb. I mean, he was open, but he makes the throw, and then they go down and score a touchdown right there. And he at threw, that he point, threw that ball from like his own 22 to like the other side on the 22 and pretty much flat-footed uh, just heaves it up there. That's the thing with Mahomes is when you're in a third-long situation – Andy Reid does not seem scared at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, most coaches, and I think for good reason. I mean, a lot of bad things happen in third and long situations. You get sack, sack, fumble. You're throwing a reception. You're trying to fit a ball into a small windows. And, you know, the further you go, the longer the ball is in the air. But Andy Reid does not seem concerned at all because of his quarterback. And he calls a shot. And I, when you watch Mahomes play in those types of scenarios, he's so good at sort of buying time. He's not going back there sort of counting his steps. He's going to go back and just sort of buy time and wait for Tyree Kill to get as far as possible down the field. And then he gives him a chance because at some point you just outrun the linebackers. You outrun that sort of uh, intermediate throw, and you just sort of throw it deep, and he just so fast. And that might be the fastest three wide receivers that, you know, oh, yeah. compare like the Vikings oh, yeah. and the third wide receiver scenario. They could use another really, really fast guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but anyway, Tyreek Hill is, is, is so fast and, and it sort of matches up with Mahomes' arm. Like, I don't think. Cousins has the arm, and he has a good arm, but I don't think he has the arm to make those types of throws. Pat Mahomes is very, very special, and you're not worried in those situations of something bad happening. Of course, they were down by you know, 10 points or whatever it was. You sort of have to, you know, give it a, a shot w- w- with a deep ball. But, you know, that, that route, the, the time it takes to run, uh, you know, a 50 yard route basically. Uh, and for the offensive line to hold on just long enough with, with Joey Bosa and, or Nick Bosa, Nick the, Bosa, the yeah. whole, that, with, with that pass rush, you know, that was definitely the play of the game. Yeah. And his ability to move around was somewhat limited because of how quickly they were getting on him and he gets strip sacked at one point and it, it was just fascinating to see him look so human and, and, and like flustered even at times. But then when it was time to really go, even on the ball that he throws the interception, that drive, he's starting to move the ball. And you could sense, like, all right, he's getting a little momentum. And they went to a no huddle, which I also thought was kind of big to keep San Francisco's defense on the field uh, and not allow them to switch in some of their defensive line packages because fresh pass rushers, I think, are a huge deal in the NFL now to be able to bring in guys on third down to rush the passer who have been standing on the sideline and haven't been going play after play. So they they run the no huddle. They keep it sort of up-tempo. And then they just need Mahomes to make play after play after play, and he does. And And, and I can't imagine the pressure that's on you at that point because you're feeling like, man, it... If I put up these crazy numbers in the regular season and playoffs and I go two years in a row where I don't win the Super Bowl, and you can have all those things happen. And, I mean, I was just thinking about how tough that must be to be in that spot when everyone knows you got a pass, it's on your shoulders entirely, and he, he just goes and win it, wins it. He just he just did it. Well, and he everything also, that was required. He also scrambled, I, I don't know how many times. It seemed yeah, like yep. three times for, for sort of key first downs or to move the chains when he did get pressure. You know, you, you turn a pressure into a positive, and that's the thing that, you know, a great quarterback can do. It also sort of shows that 
either you go out and you get a great quarterback, and I don't know how many great ones there are out there, but you know, I think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback, the best player in the NFL. But if you can't get a great quarterback, you better get a great pass rusher. Yeah. And they got that yeah. with Bosa. There's some other good guys along that D-line. But it's sort of about D-line and quarterback. That's sort of the scenario of that football game. And uh, you know, I, I think, as you said, that the line got maybe got a little bit tired, or Mahomes just sort of made those plays at the end. You know, the throw to Sammy Watkins yes. when he beat Richard Sherman on the right hand side—that's a that's a weird throw when the receiver goes inside on a go route because naturally he usually gets sort of squeezed towards the safety, and you don't want to sort of throw the ball. Uh, you know, too too far inside because the safety will blow up your wide receiver. Mahomes just put like perfect touch on it, leaned him back outside, and, and Watkins ran a heck of a route and really beat Sherman pretty bad off the line. But that was a huge play in the game too. Yes, uh, get him down to where they're in scoring range to take the lead. Um, but yeah, great quarterback play and great D line play. Uh, you know, that was I think that was a great Super Bowl. It's too bad the score ended up thirty one to twenty. Yeah, because obviously it was a much much closer game than that. Uh, that throw I did want to talk to you about because on the play before they had not attacked Richard Sherman the entire night and Troy Aikman kept pointing out well they got one-on-one Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins on Sherman and throughout the game I kept thinking yeah they're not going to throw it there because he's Richard Sherman but when they threw it out there on a it was like maybe a screen or a five-yard hitch or something right before the big play they zoomed in on Sherman and he was panting he just looked exhausted because their defense had been out on the field for so long yeah. because San Francisco couldn't get anything going offensively. And I said out loud, I think they're going to take a shot here at Sherman right before it happened because, I, I mean, I don't know if that was on purpose, if they thought, let's let's test him a little bit. Let's see how quick he makes this tackle. Let's see what Sherman's looking like. But just looking at him on that up-close view from the camera, you could tell he was worn down, and they picked the perfect time. And your point about weapons is a great one, because Sammy Watkins only had like 50 catches this year. But in the playoffs, they were trying to shut down Tyreek Hill as much as they could, and here's Sammy Watkins stepping up, trying to shut down You know, Travis Kelsey didn't have a huge game necessarily, so somebody needs to be that next guy. And Sammy Watkins is a star talent who is a top-five draft pick, and he's your third or fourth guy and he's he's expensive too right he's very expensive but when you need him to step up he was able to make big plays he did step up big time in that game and you know on that route he was obviously at the go route and he tried to work outside and Richard Sherman did a really nice job cutting him off but then he worked inside and and uh, and got ahead of Sherman. Sherman ends up trailing, and he's not. That's one thing Richard's not. He's not super fast. He's yep. got great feet. He's got great hands. He knows how to you know, you know sort of maneuver a wide receiver. He's got really good ball skills. But once he got beat, it was over. But it was an absolutely perfect throw. Uh, clutch is the is the word I think that best describes Pat Mahomes. Clutch was the word. For Tom Brady over all these years of the last 19 years, 20 years or whatever Brady's been playing, you know, clutch play, that, that's how you win Super Bowls in the, in these close games is that clutch play. And, 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 uh, Mahomes is clutch last night. He's got all these weapons to throw to, uh, the running back played extremely well last night. They ran the ball better than I thought they would. Yep. And, and they said it on the telecast, you know, one thing the 49ers defense isn't great at, isn't a top five at, is stopping the run. Yep. They're unbelievable against the pass. They're unbelievable with, with the pass rush, but you can run the football and get some positive yards on, 
on that on them last night. And and Damian Williams, he had over 100 yards, and you just don't expect that against the top defense in the league. And uh, just to circle back on Watkins, he had five catches on six targets for 98 yards, stepping up as not necessarily their number one wide receiver. And when we look at this, it's always through the prism of the Vikings, and we'll get a little bit more into that as we go along talking about it. But more weapons are good is definitely a thing that I hope the Vikings keep in mind as they go through the offseason, and it even applies to San Francisco as well. Debo Samuel in that game was so good early on, but we have to talk about the 49ers. Your former coach, Kyle Shanahan, Yeah, you know, there's going to be a... Real quick, by the way, I I went to the opening night, which is the Monday night thing, Yeah, um, yeah. with the head at the Marlins Stadium in in the field. Mm It was sort of a madhouse. Yes. Um, they have uh, the, the Chiefs went first, had a chance to talk to Matt Moore for a second. To the quarterback. We will get that, to that, by the way. Yeah, the, the quarterback. I mean, you got to realize this Kansas City, the Vikings are a good football team this year, no doubt, right? They were they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. They had a good defense, a really good running game. Their offense uh, could, could air it out, uh, you know, a lot of times and throw the ball deep. We, we talked about and you know the play action and all those things, but they went down to Kansas City and lost to this Chiefs team with the backup quarterback. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, that that sort of goes to show this Chiefs team is legitimate. And uh, but anyway, um, and, and once again, by the way, a team getting stacked and overpaying someone like Sammy Watkins while your quarterback is on a rookie deal. That's that. This, it's this whole thing, right? Jared Goff is in Super Bowl last year. Russell Wilson and Kaepernick in Super Bowls and their rookie contracts earlier in their careers. It's definitely like a business model. And even, of course, they're going to pay Pat Mahomes $40 yeah, million, oh, yes, yes. whatever it's going to be. But there is definitely a model of like getting to the Super Bowl on the inexpensive quarterback. But anyway, yes. back to the Monday night opening night thing. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, when the 49ers come out and, and, you know, people are all well, watching the Kyle Shanahan press conference or Mostert or Richard Sherman and, and I, you know, sort of sneak around to a little area and there's about seven coaches there hanging out. And they're all guys that I played with. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's the linebackers coach. I, he was, we, we drafted him, uh, in the second round in 2006 in Houston. And then you go to Hightower, the special teams coach, and McDaniel, the uh, sort of the O-line guru. He's not really the O-line coach, but he designs the plays. It's sort of an interesting thing to have going there. He's a designer. The run game guy, He's a run game designer, but John Benton is the O-line coach who actually sort of coaches them Hmm. on the field. Um, you, you had about five or six coaches there that I just sort of had a chance to sort of hang out with for a while and, and sort of talk about old times. And we didn't really even talk about their actual game. And when, what am I going to ask them? They're not going to give me an honest answer. I mean, that's what <laughs> right, coaches right. do. So it was more of a mingling thing. But it was that that was tough to watch. Shanahan, uh, his first Super Bowl as a head coach, his second Super Bowl in just, what, four years? Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. In a in similar scenario where they had the lead. and, and I mean, uh, he... He wasn't to, the defensive coordinator who gave up a 25-point lead. but Correct, yeah. correct. But they had the lead in, in the fourth quarter, and he decided to be aggressive. That's the thing is he was aggressive. He could have ran the ball, ran the ball, and been really yep. conservative. Yep. But he was aggressive in the fourth quarter in both scenarios, and it, and it didn't work out. One was a knockdown pass, probably the one of the key defensive plays for the game for Kansas City. Uh, but obviously really tough on him. I think, Kansas City, I think uh, the 49ers will be back, back and probably back fairly soon. I mean – Everyone always says, like, oh, they'll be back next year. I mean, who knows, right? Right, But when you've got a really good defense who's really young, when Nick Bosa 
is on this also very inexpensive contract. It's another thing. You have a premier pass rusher yep. on a fairly inexpensive contract. At some point, if he plays like he's, he, he, if he plays like he played this year for the next three or four years, he's going to want 20, you know, Khalil Mack type of money, $20 million oh, yeah. or something. So, you know, the defense is, is very, very good. And, and he obviously is a really young offense. He's missing. One, if not two, of his better wide receivers who have been out for most of the year. Jarek McKinnon hasn't even played yep, right. uh, as a running back, and so the, you know they're missing some guys. But uh, this is a really, really good young football team, and you know there, there's there are some question there there's some things about Shanahan's game where you, we could go back and second guess. Right, the end of the first half, should you call timeout? Probably going to probably going to get the ball in your own ten. They end up putting it in the end zone. They got the ball to 20, uh, but there's about a minute 35, I think, left in the half. They had two timeouts. He sort of went a little bit more conservative on that and, and let uh, the Chiefs run some clock before they punted. Uh, we, we could question that, but um, I, I thought overall – uh, it, it was again. It was, it was a heck of a game, and and I think Shanahan and and uh, these Forty ers will be back and, and and possibly next year. I think they're the third team as far as gambling is concerned for you oh, gamblers for out year, there. Yeah. It's Chiefs one, Ravens two, and Forty ers three as far as likelihood yeah. of winning the Super Bowl. Well, and and I think that that's fair because this is a team in the Forty ers that has a lot of talent that's all coming back, and they do have a great coach. But I wanted to talk about that because. It's the Super Bowl, so everything is going to get picked apart. Uh, in my mind, Andy Reid won the battle of who can be aggressive at the right time by going for it on the fourth and one and running that play from the 40s or whatever where they had everybody stand on one side and then do a little spin and then hand off up the middle on the fourth and one that was a really clever little play design. He also had an option route he ran fourth and one. Not in the goal line, but like in the middle of the field yes. or somewhere, which was a big play in that game too. I and mean, they had Travis Kelsey run a uh, quarterback sneak. I, no, no, no. Yeah, a, a read option. A read option. Yeah, right, tight yeah. end running the read option. Yeah. I don't know if Kelsey played like quarterback growing up or in high school or something, but you know, Andy Reid, he sort of give, gives two craps, you know, about <laughs> uh, about being second guessed. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's been in this league long enough that he really doesn't care. He's going to go call his game, um, and and he did that last night. And he also. He's got the best quarterback in the league, and when, when you do that, uh, a great quarterback can make up for those mistakes sometimes. And, and I think Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback, and he can't make up for maybe the mistakes of an offensive line that that uh, Pat Mahomes can. Well, and that's what I was going to bring up is that there are things that we should make a big deal out of with coaches, and things that we probably shouldn't. So playing conservative at the end of that half is worth mentioning in terms of I think it was a mistake, but it's not one of those where you go, oh my gosh, you let down your team. And I wouldn't say that for passing the ball on second and five either. When they're up late, Mahomes scores, they've still got the lead, they run, they get five yards, and then I think it's okay to be aggressive there and to try and throw the ball rather than handing off. And Garoppolo lets him down, but also the other guy makes a play. And so often we just look at it as, all right, who screwed up? Who do we blame here? But Chris Jones just made a play, got pressure, he knocked the ball down, and then Garoppolo doesn't find George Kittle. But it's also really easy to be like, oh, who was open on the field where the quarterback should have thrown? Yep. And, th and that sort of thing, it always happens. I don't think it was a bad idea for Kyle Shanahan to say, you know what? We need to go down and score again. We can't just punt it back to Mahomes or we're going to 
you know, probably lose. Well, that's like the lesson learned from watching uh, Kansas City and the Texans three weeks ago or something like that. If you play conservative that's at right. all. That's right. O'Brien kicked the field goal to go up 24. You're like, you know, yep. that's, that's basic. I know it's a three-score game, but really it's a four-score game. You're yep. up 24, you got to think. I mean, a team's got to have three touchdowns and three two-point conversions. So he got a little conservative, and that was in like early the second quarter. And, of course, that cost them in being basically blown out in that game. Yep. So I think Shanahan's like, listen, you gotta, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep pushing on the gas. And that, again, that's like something the Patriots would do. Yeah. They wouldn't just go, okay, we're going to run the ball into a right. nine, nine man box. We're going to, we're going to throw it and trust our wide receivers, trust our quarterbacks mm-hmm. to make a play. But it was, it was batted down. And then right. they end up with a third and five. Uh, had to give the ball back. And, and then it was Pat Mahomes time. It was, when you played the Indianapolis Colts back in the day, when Peyton Manning was there, that's how it felt when you were leading them. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, we got this lead, and then as soon as they got that momentum back just a little bit, it was almost like they, the, the 49ers are up by four, but it was almost like you just knew the Chiefs were going to score. Yeah. You just knew. And and yep. when everyone has a lot, I mean, I think almost everyone has that sort of gut feeling like they're probably going to score here, that's because Pat Mahomes is so great. It's that that that's why like yeah. you, you don't even really realize, but that's why. And then, and then why you sort of feel nervous on the other side? It's because Jim Garoppolo isn't great, yeah. and so you sort of feel nervous that something bad might happen. And Garoppolo on occasion would make a mistake, uh, but um, you will say this: the offensive line for the 49ers, in a lot of ways, and what we talked about all year with what the what the uh, Vikings do. They too struggle and drop back pass protection. Yep. Uh, he wasn't hit all over the place last night, but he was definitely pressured. And Garoppolo does an unbelievable job with throwing with while having pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's guys in his face and he gets balls off. Uh, but, uh, they were, you know, they were a really good running team. But, but again, like, like the Vikings and, and like the inside, uh, you know, uh, center, the guards of the Vikings, they do struggle. When they have to throw the football, they were forced to throw the football at the end of the at the end of the game last night, and that's where they struggled the most. You know, I I thought it was um, you know pretty interesting that Steve Spagnolo decided in the second half that he was going to start blitzing Garoppolo, and if there was one Achilles heel that Garoppolo had all year, and he was good in every metric across the board for the most part. The one area statistically where he wasn't that good is when you blitzed him. Yeah. And Spagnolo seemed to wait and wait and wait until the right time to then start sending those blitzes in the big spots. And they got to Garoppolo a little bit. And this is the point about just how hard it is to win the Super Bowl is Garoppolo has this one flaw. But if you got a flaw and the other team has two weeks to prepare for it, they're going to find a way. And I felt like they did. They picked the exact right time to start going after him, to start speeding up his decision-making process process a little bit and then he made a couple of wrong calls and you end up losing i don't blame kyle shanahan so much for trusting his quarterback to make a play at the end of the game you didn't have enough time to just try to take the air out of the ball i mean if if you're at yeah there was there was a quote i think you said like i was looking to get first downs not take time off the clock well of course he's looking to take time off right you want but like he just sort of saying we just didn't think that we could run the football on them. And because they ran okay last night, they ran for over 100 yards, but they, it's not like they were just dominating like A they lot were of the it Packers. was on those... Those, it was on the jet sweeps to Debo, right? yeah, yep. to Debo Samuel. Who, by the way, like he's he's a good player. He's a good player, and yeah. he's second round draft pick. Uh, he's sort of like a running back when yep. the ball's in his hands. He's explosive. 
there was a great group of wide receivers in that game last night. Just yes. explosive players yeah. in general. But I don't think the 49ers could have just lined up and ran the ball three times and got a first down. I don't think they could have done what the Vikings did to the, the Cowboys early in the year and just go, okay, we're going to finish yeah. this game off yep. by running the football. Uh, the Chiefs did a nice job last night. The Chiefs' defense in Spagnuolo, they really improved as as the season went on and I tell you hats off to Steve Spagnola not a great head coach uh when he was what the the St. Louis Rams yeah, yep. coach for not very long maybe two years three years at the most um it didn't go particularly well but he's won a couple of Super Bowls now as a defensive coordinator obviously he was the coordinator for the Giants going back to 2007 uh and, and now he's won his at least second Super Bowl uh I, I would yeah, say I think it's so his second yep. but uh, I, I like that again I you could say Kyle was too conservative maybe in the first half but then he was aggressive in the fourth quarter and and uh, i like it when coaches are aggressive to try to win a football game rather than try not to not lose a football game type of deal and and uh you know it it didn't work out and again i think the 49ers will be back because if he ran three times and punted then we would have said oh my gosh you you went all super conservative there and punted it back to mahomes so it's and there's still Four minutes left, yeah, three there were, there minutes was, left, something I think like over that. Over four minutes left, because yeah. Shanahan was talking about how he couldn't quite get into his four-minute offense at that time because that's when you're really trying to pound out the clock. And maybe you say, well, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? But also looking back at a couple of the plays, just from people tweeting out, you know, the videos and stuff. You know, there were opportunities for Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play, and that's where it's going to haunt Garoppolo, I think, because at one point he's 18 for 22 with the touchdown. He does have the bad interception, but 18 for 22 with 200 something yards. He's had a great game to that point, playing with the lead, getting them ahead. And when he was really needed, that situation we talk about all the time, down by four with the ball, chance to go win the game. And he wasn't able to do it, and Mahomes is able to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of the difference in this game. It ultimately comes down to is just one guy was able to pull off the game-winning drive, the other wasn't. Well, I know Mackey on Twitter was big on, listen, the Vikings got to go out and got to find the great quarterback. I mean, that's sort of the way it goes. I will say this, Garoppolo completed one pass below, uh, beyond 20 yards last night. One pass 20 yards downfield yeah. last yep. night. And it was called back. That was the, tight, the yes. George Kittle end of the first half. Dime though, by the way, great throw on that quarter on that corner route to to George Kittle, but it was called back on offensive pass interference. They were sort of a dink and dunk, keep it keep it in front of you, uh, or, or throw it sort of intermediate to short throws last night. And maybe they should, maybe that's what they should have done a little bit more of near the end of that football game when Kansas City was blitzing. Yep, was a little bit yep. more quick game. Uh, but uh, you know, Kansas City hats off to them, man. They they play they play extremely well. The Honey Badger. Is a great football yes, player. He is. He is just sort of seems like he, he sort of reminds you of Troy Palomalu. Yep. Right. Just heart sort of everywhere, of heart and soul. But you know, sometimes he's in man. A lot of times he's doubling, but he's just sort of always around the football. You when you watch the view from the quarterback from behind the quarterback on replays, he just sort of seems like he's everywhere. And uh, and I think he's sort of the key to that secondary. Brings the whole thing together uh, and makes him hard to to throw. Makes a lot of open field tackles, like stops guys pretty much yes. on a dime. Yep. Um, 
and uh, you know, just just a fantastic football player, and and uh, you know that guy. You talk about sort of re sort of rehabbing his whole image, and the guy that got in trouble a little bit in college. I think it was a weed thing. It wasn't yep, like it was yep. a, a, an assault thing or anything like that. And and now has become a a great football player, and obviously you know really really well liked. And you know again, hats off to Andy Reid for bringing all these pieces uh, to the table. Hats off to Andy for moving up in the draft to get Pat Mahomes. Uh, you know. I Amazing that what the Bears you know missed on you going for Trubisky <laughs> I know. over Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I, I mean, uh, any sort of classic Bears, uh, uh, you know what, what the Bears I guess always have done. But uh, just a great game last night. Yeah. Just all around yep. a great game. And I, I think uh, as the days follow, well, everyone's going to keep dissecting this thing and probably second guessing plays here and there. But um, I, again, I, I thought Kyle. Shanahan did a good job last night. Maybe make a mistake here or there, but I think the better overall football team won because they have the greatest quarterback in the game. All right, let's take a break. Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback, and our journeyman correspondent, Sage Rosenfels. And a few things to talk about when we return. First, how this all applies to the Minnesota Vikings and the journeyman quarterback connections to the Kansas City Chiefs victory There's two of them, and they're both amazing. And I want to discuss those when we return. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels here for another 25 minutes or so. Um, Sage, first, I want to talk about, before we get to how this all applies to the Minnesota Vikings, the journeyman connections to the Kansas City Chiefs' victory are so special to me. They're so wonderful. Number one is your buddy Matt Moore ends up winning a game against the Minnesota Vikings, leading a game-winning drive in that game, played two games, lost one to Aaron Rodgers, and then beat the Vikings. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, on the final day of the season, leads a game-winning drive against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And without those, the Kansas City Chiefs are not a two-seed and do not get to uh, have the the first-round bye that's so important. We know that it's been since 2012, since any team that didn't have the first-round bye even reached the Super Bowl. And so imagine the Kansas City Chiefs would have had to come into this game even more beat up, possibly some injuries, a much harder road. And uh, that's usually you just don't get there because of that. But Matt Moore and Ryan Fitzpatrick played very key roles to the Chiefs getting their Super Bowl victory. And I just think that's amazing. Well, again, like Andy Reid's quarterbacks, whether they're starters like Mahomes or Donald McNabb or the backups. So, you know, the the Kevin Cobbs and the A.J. Feely's and Jeff Garcia when he backed up came in. but. It's sort of all about winning about half your games. And, of course, he goes yep. one out of two. Matt Moore does exactly <laughs> what he needs to do. That's the job of these backup quarterbacks for the most part. It's not to be Kurt Warner. The chances of having a Kurt right. Warner guy who comes in, you end up winning a Super Bowl with him, basically just doesn't happen. But if they can keep you in the hunt until a guy like Mahomes comes back, that's the key. Again, going back to the opening night thing, by the way, as I'm sort of wandering around, I run to Chad Henney. Okay. The reason I, I didn't really know Chad, <laughs> Chad Henney, but the reason I even know Matt Moore and I was signed by the, the Dolphins near the end of my career is because Chad Henney got hurt. So those guys are both backup quarterbacks, uh, uh, for the Kansas State Chiefs. And so Henney gets hurt. They sign me. I back up Matt Moore for a couple of weeks, uh, and got to know, you know, got to know Matt, obviously. Henney was around a little bit or, or whatever. So both of those guys 
uh, you know, journeyman quarterbacks at, at this point. Yep. Uh, both getting Super Bowl rings. And so, yeah, the, the journeyman had its, had its, uh, handprints all over this, uh, Kansas City Chiefs victory. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the whole the, being the Patriots, that was absolutely huge at the end of the season. There's something weird about the Dolphins being the Patriots all the time at the end of the things. year. Yep. To, uh, the oddest deal. But uh, uh, going back to your point that we've talked about on the show, it is really, really hard to win a Super Bowl if you don't have either the one or two seed. Yep. You don't have to have the one seed. But that two seed is vital. The bye, and then at the minimum, the first game is a home game. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Chiefs get a little bit lucky with the Ravens losing their home right. game yep. and getting to play a second home game uh, in that AFC Championship on the way to the Super Bowl. And that's what changed for me this year. Because always in the past, and maybe because a lot of my, I don't know, teenage years or early 20 years, there were teams going to the Super Bowl that did not have the top seed. So it was the Giants went nine and seven one year. They win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Packers were a six seed in 2010. They win it. And then the Ravens were the three seed in Steelers, 2012. Steelers, Steelers, I Steelers feel did like. against what? Was it Arizona? I think it was Arizona. I think Arizona, like, yeah, like they're like yeah. nine and seven or 10 yeah. and six and, 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 the, and, and barely beat the Colts on like the, remember the fumble and Roethlisberger tripped the guy yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. When the yep. bus fumbled. So it happened a lot in those years where I was really paying close attention to the NFL, and my philosophy had always been, well, just get into the playoffs, and you never know what happened. But now, the way that the game has changed a little bit more, and I think skewed more toward offense, and big offenses dominating, like the Kansas City Chiefs, and even the 49ers had overall a dominant offense. And last year, it was the top four offenses that made championship weekend and, and, and on and on and on and on. Recently, that's been the trend. And, and I think that you get more, in a way, more true results out of that when offense is dominating. It's just who's the best usually ends up there. Even when the Eagles make it, they're one of the most dominant passing games in the league overall as a team. And then Foles comes in and operates that to a Super Bowl victory. So now the way I'm looking at next season for the Vikings, Sage, is if you don't have a one or two seed, don't talk to me. Like, it's just not <laughs> like as we go through the season. That's a lot to ask. To I know. The top four teams, of the NFL, basically. But if they're going to be and we're going to find out here how they look at this, if they're going to be all in again with Cousins and we're going to try to win the Super Bowl just the way they were this year by bringing back Barr, bringing back Griffin, bringing back Rhodes, they really pushed all the chips to the middle of the table. If they show us that again with this offseason, we're not retooling, we're not rebuilding, we're going for it. If you lose four or five games, it's just over. I mean, five or six, seven games. I mean, you're just not going to win the Super Bowl. So I look at it as if you're the Vikings, decide can you be a 13 and three team? Can you be a 12 and four team? Because if you can't, then you better start working toward being that. That's the way I'm looking at this offseason. Well, so the, the the real question is, you know, what do they do with that quarterback scenario? Do they sign Cousins to an extension? Because he's not a great quarterback. He doesn't, like, lift the level of play of everybody around him like this quarterback, you know, did last night. Like, you know, Deshaun Watson does and doesn't have a super unique skill set like a Lamar Jackson does or what Russell Wilson does. I'm, I, I pulled up the Super Bowl winners from the past, okay? This year, Pat Mahomes, great quarterback. Uh, last year, Tom Brady, 
legendary quarterback. Yep. Okay, before that, the Eagles, Nick Foles, they got by on not a sort of quote unquote great quarterback, but he got hot. He yeah, got he hot like great. He yeah. got hot like Eli Manning got hot during his yep. sort of Super Bowl runs. Before that, the Patriots. Before that, the Broncos, and of course, uh, 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 Peyton Manning didn't play great that year, but you know they had an um, amazing defense. Yep. You know that year in a running game, and, and Peyton, he's still Peyton Manning, and Peyton sort of managed the you know to w- way to win those games. Before that, again, Patriots. Before that. Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Then you had the Joe Flacco win. Again, another scenario where the guy wasn't great, but uh, had a great defense and and played really, really well in the playoffs and made some, and sort of got lucky that long uh, third down to Jacoby Jones uh, at the Broncos. So they got a little luck involved. Then you go Eli, who got hot. Then you got Packers. Uh, You know, they got Saints, Steelers, Roethlisberger. Giants again, Colts, Steelers. I mean, it's the history of the game. For the most part, Great quarterbacks. Yeah. And when you go through and you even look at some of the statistics that are really telling on passing games, passing success is the thing that correlates most to getting to and winning the Super Bowl. And the one with the Broncos is a total outlier. I looked this up. Even if you take that one out of it, most of the teams that win the Super Bowl, even with Eli, are right there, top five top 10 passing offenses and often as we've gone along that it's been top two or three that end up and and with the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of expected points added they were number one in the NFL this year and no surprise because they have the best quarterback in the game and they're probably going to be able to continue to do that and the conversation that naturally comes up and I think it's right to reference this, is the way that they get Mahomes is by looking at Alex Smith and saying, we love you, Alex Smith, you win a lot of games, and you're a very, very good quarterback. But it's not a special all-time quarterback. I believe I believe they were in the playoffs. They were. Uh, a couple years in a row, and yep. were they even in the second round? I feel like they were twelve and four with Alex Smith before letting him go. I I, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like they were in the playoffs. They they didn't win. Uh, you know, it's one of those deals where it came down to you know, well, Alex they lost Smith to make Tennessee. A play. They blew a lead to Tennessee where Mariota threw a touchdown to himself. Remember that? Oh, that's right, that's right. That was a great that was a great playoff game. But again, they they decided we don't have a great quarterback. We need a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And they sort of took a chance, I guess, and and sat him on the bench. And uh, but obviously Andy Reid, he knows his quarterbacks pretty dang well. He also knows how to coach an offensive line. I've always sort of said, you know, I, I think Andy does a great job with offenses and and quarterbacks. But when quarterbacks have really good offensive lines, uh, which the Chiefs generally have to to run and throw the football. Always makes the quarterback a little bit better. You know, Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. You know, Jeff Schwartz is his brother. He's, he's a sort of, he's big on Twitter. I think he does stuff for the Bleach Report, maybe, uh, some, some random, uh, um, uh, outlets out there. But he, he, the numbers he puts up of like having, you know, 90, I think he has something like 90, uh, uh, drop back passes in the last two games and give up one pressure at yes. the right tackle position. Yeah. I mean, that's an impressive thing to do, but it also helps that the quarterback, makes the lineman better too because you know Mahomes doesn't look like he's super fast but man he gets that team out of trouble a lot ends up running for a couple of key first downs in, in that football game if you want to win the Super Bowl having a great quarterback uh, sure as heck helps to get you there so Alex Smith as a Kansas City Chief 50 and 26 I mean that's really good 102 touchdowns 33 interceptions and a 94.8 quarterback rating we've seen quarterback rating kind of jump a bit and in his final year in Kansas City, led the NFL in adjusted yards per attempt and quarterback rating. 
and took them to the playoffs in 2013, 15, 16, and 17 and won one playoff game. And they decided, you know what? We're probably going to have to pay Alex Smith, which is a big part of the factoring that in. I'm sure that they liked him as a quarterback, but paying him, they said it's not worth it, so we're going to trade up. And on draft day, I would love to go back and look at some of the draft takes because I remember Kansas City overpaid. They moved up and they spent too much. They gave away their whole draft to the Bills. I remember I follow a lot of Bills. Yeah, what, on Twitter. what, what did they give up for? To I believe up they or... gave up their pick and the next year's first, I think. It's basically two and, first round draft And then picks. other stuff too. To probably move up from like in the 20s or something because yep. they were in the playoffs the year before. So they gave up a ton to move up. And every, I mean, not everyone, but they got a lot of criticism for that. And Bills fans were thrilled. Oh, look how much we got in the draft for them to move up. And yet they have a Super Bowl now because they got Mahomes. Obviously, this applies to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. And when you look through his numbers from this year with Kubiak and with Stefanski, he was an excellent overall quarterback statistically. But if you're looking at this from the bigger picture from is he worth 35 to $40 million guaranteed versus someone else who would be a top pick who would be like 8 or $9 million as a quarterback where you could spend all the money in other places, and this place does get free agents to come here too because it's a premier franchise. I, I, I mean, if you're asking me right now would I trade the 25th and the next year's first up to get Tua even with the hip issue – I think I would just because it's so hard to win when you're paying a quarterback who's just good and not great a huge, huge salary. Yeah, I I think it does come down to do you think that Cousins can win you these clutch playoff games, right? I mean, if let's say the Vikings were in the Super Bowl last night and we're in the exact same scenario at the end of the first half. All right, Kansas City's going to punt. Minute 40 left on the clock. You're probably going to get the ball in, at the 10-yard line. If that happens, are you think you're going to be aggressive with Kirk Cousins? No, you're not going to be aggressive with Kirk Cousins. You're going to be like, well, you know, if we try to throw the football here, he might throw it to the other team. He might get sack fumbled. We're inside our own 10. Might be a disaster at the end of the first half. They'd probably play it more conservatively. But when you have a great player, a guy like Pat Mahomes, who makes everybody else around them better and really lifts the whole boat of the entire team and the offense, and the team has so much confidence because of their quarterback, It'd be cool if the Vikings could find that player. Obviously, I don't know what they're going to do this upcoming year. You got to imagine Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback, but where do they go beyond that? Yeah. And if they, and again, going back to Mackey's point that he was talking about on Twitter yesterday, it's sort of, it's sort of the, it is the Alex Smith conversation. The question is, is there a Pat Mahomes out there? Probably not. I mean, I think he's a, he might be a one and he's an all time talent, an all time talent. I I don't know if the NFL has seen many guys like him before. I mean, he he throws it like Rodgers in a lot of ways, but he's got better scrambling ability. I think um, he has absolutely. He's not nervous at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so confident, and I think that uh, just spreads amongst that that team. Uh, and the, you know, they they had a clip this morning on SportsCenter of all like the third and seventeens or third and eighteens or more that he hit this year. It was one after another. I don't know how many the Vikings hit on third and plus 15 or whatever, but it wasn't very many this season. There was like 15 third and super longs that the the Kansas City Chiefs hit this year with Pat Mahomes. So if you think about it, the case for moving up and drafting someone else is largely based on uh, can you get someone who is going to be cheap, 
but also very good. You don't need to get Patrick Mahomes, I think, in the NFC. When you look at the landscape of the next few years in the NFC, Rodgers is getting old. Breeze might not even play next year. Matt Ryan's going to retire soon. I don't know what Cam Newton's future is. And Russell Wilson's going to be great for a long time. He's going to be the best quarterback in the NFC, but even Eli Manning is gone. Dak Prescott might be the second best quarterback in the entire NFC. And the Packers, obviously, they're very beatable. It's like the yes. Vikings are the far yes. behind them. We saw in the championship game, man, they're very beatable. The 49ers, listen, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's better than Cousins. I do. I think he has a little bit more clutch in him. I think there was four games this year where he was where they came back yep. in yep. the fourth quarter, mostly on his arm and not just running the football. He had made a lot of clutch throws. You saw some great throws last night where his feet aren't set, he's getting pressure, that little halfback option sort of slant they ran. Mm-hmm. That Kirk can't make that throw. He just can't. He's just a guy that needs to be on a sort of balanced platform and, and can't throw balls when his feet aren't set. And so I would take Garoppolo over Kirk in a lot of ways. I know statistically that, that Kirk has better stats, but as a, as a guy who watches a lot of quarterbacks, that's what I would do. And I bet you Kansas City, they're looking at options at quarterback. I pro, or Not Kansas City, I'm sorry, the 49ers. I promise you they're not sitting there going like, oh, yeah, Garoppolo's our guy going forward. I bet you they're looking like, is there something out there we can improve on? Because I think at this point his contract, though it's fairly big, most of the guaranteed money is sort of done. Yeah. If they really want and I don't think they're going to move on from him. No. But if they really wanted to, they could without some huge salary cap hit. But I promise you as they go forward, if there was like a sort of a Pat Mahomes type of guy in the draft that they just loved, that Kyle would go, you know what, this guy is gonna this guy is gonna give us more options than Garoppolo. And so if the 49ers are doing that and they were just in the Super Bowl and I think their quarterback has a little bit more clutch and has a little bit more natural talent and, and ability to sort of make up for some of his offensive line's faults than the Vikings do, you gotta think the Vikings should be should be doing the same thing. And and you think about this so what is the what is the baseline for what you need to get to if you can build a strong team with the rest of that money enough to go to the Super Bowl? And the Rams were able to do it by spending a bunch of their cash, and they signed someone like Andrew Whitworth, who was a free agent left tackle at the time, and San Francisco signs Richard Sherman. And even though his deal was criticized a little bit, it was still a big money that they had to spend, and they spent uh, you know a lot of draft capital and stuff like that, but they were able to say, okay, there's this big free agent out there, and we're going going to go get them if you sign cousins you can keep some of your own guys but it's really hard to add that big name piece who comes in and changes it if you draft a quarterback who reaches a jared goff level a jimmy garoppolo level a what carson wentz level where it's a very good quarterback and they have a lot of talent they're not necessarily mahomes because nobody is mahomes but that's what i'm thinking in the nfc landscape is if you have only Seven, eight, nine million dollars tied up in your starting quarterback, and you can stack the roster. And we know this front office is good at analyzing talent. They're good at developing talent. Like Anthony Harris is going to get paid a bunch of money, and he was a, a nobody. We've seen that from a bunch of different guys. You can build the roster around that quarterback, but you can make it even stronger than it was this year if you have that money to spend. So it's, it's really in my mind about what threshold do you need to reach with who you draft. The threshold is not Patrick Mahomes. It's not, you, oh yeah, we just need to get the all-time great quarterback. Well, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But 
in the NFC, can you get Dak Prescott level? Can you get Matt Ryan level? I think that you can in the draft, or it's at least possible. Well, yeah, Prescott was a fourth, he was a fourth, fourth rounder. rounder and right? In my mind, it's worth the swing because if you sign up for Cousins for five more years at $40 million a year, even if the cap changes, even if it gives you more space, what you're bringing up I think is extremely relevant. Every Viking fan last night was watching that game and going, oh, Kirk doesn't do that. Kirk yeah. doesn't make that play. Every Viking fan was doing that last night. Even I, you know, early in the ballgame, there was a bootleg, and, and the quarterback had a little pressure, and on those boots, he made some great throws, and, and there was again, you know, those sort of guys in his face. Garoppolo has, I think, the quickest release in the NFL. I mean, the way he can throw the football. Uh, and, and by the way, George Kittle, that catch that was like an inch off the ground, just a phenomenal tight end. Yep, he's a great player. Uh, you know, the Vikings don't have that level of a tight end. He is he's a great player and obviously a great blocker. But the offensive line's weak in the middle a little bit with with the 49ers and they do get pressure in obviously obvious passing situations and when you have that, you got to have a quarterback that can make throws flat-footed with a really really quick release and they have that with Garoppolo, but again as as I said, I think they're happy with Garoppolo, but they're also, and I'm just knowing the sort of Shanahan philosophy, they're always looking for somebody that's better. They just are. And, and you go back to the, uh, uh, the Broncos when they had Jake Plummer and they were like in the championship game. And what did they do? They went out and got Jay Cutler because Mike Shanahan really thought Jay Cutler was going to be you know, at a whole nother level. Yep. At least talent wise, he was. He was a much better thrower than Jake Plummer, and he was had sort of that same athleticism. So I know that I know with the Shanahan's, they're always looking to upgrade at that quarterback position, and I bet you the 49ers will will look to upgrade if they can. They yep. probably won't, but again, I think the, the the Vikings should definitely be looking at the future because I don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy long, long term that you want to extend and spend another 30 plus million dollars or whatever it might be. I just don't think he's like the missing link that's going to uh, bring this team over the top, no matter how good, how good the roster is. I don't think that, again, you're going to have to make some clutch plays on your way to the Super Bowl. Mahomes makes a ton of them. Garoppolo made some, some, but you know, Mahomes made, made more and made more at the end. And, and he had to go out and try to find Pat Mahomes is impossible. But I do think that there's somebody out there uh, at some point where the Vikings had to find somebody who is the next 10 to 15 year guy. And I don't think Kirk Cousins is that answer. Um, and Gary Kubiak being in charge, a Shanahan guy who at one point their organization, like you said, moved on from even Brian Greasy, who had been good and won games and got them to the playoffs. But they said, well, let's go get somebody else uh, because it's not quite enough. And that's where I wonder what Kubiak's influence is going to be. So, uh, Sage, it's great stuff. I'm really glad that you could come in. Do you know what time it is? What do you mean? Do I know what time it is? It's draft time. Now, oh yeah, it's tape grinding time. Well, I, guess it, who's got to watch quarterback tape? Hey, That's I'm, you. I'm looking forward to it, and well, of course, we'll all have a little bit more times on the weekends now. No more <laughs> yes. college football. Yes. No more what NFL do do? football. Uh, I don't know. We we have to, I, we're forced to watch college in the NBA now. I, I I guess a little bit in baseball. Pitchers and catchers are probably oh, no. uh, I, you know, I showing up people. soon. Those people oh, those on Twitter, things. pitchers and catchers reporting whatever number day, whatever. I will be in Indy. <laughs> uh, and are you going to be there? Yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Be there. Are My the, plane will get there this time, unlike t- last year. Tuesday through Friday, I believe the quarterbacks throw on Thursday. So 
plan on uh, getting a lot of information there and, and really checking out these quarterbacks, hopefully before now and then. Uh, I get to study some of these kids. I know there's obviously there's the the big names, but there's guys like there's a kid named Love out of Utah Jordan State Love, yep. uh, who people really like and, and people love his athleticism. So, uh, yeah, w- w- I will be studying some of these quarterbacks, get ready for the combine, and then – you know, as they go to their individual workouts, and then the draft is usually like the first couple of days of May or at the end of April. That'll be here before we know it. Don't forget free agency. Free that agency. Will be very interesting. Vikings have a ton of things to consider as yeah, they go they, into the offseason. Yeah, of course, there's always, you always think about adding free agents, but there's also the aspect of letting go of some yep. expensive guys who haven't lived up to that production. And we all know the Vikings have a couple of those guys. So, uh, yes, the Super Bowl just happened. Uh, but just like the both of these teams who just won, I promise you, the 49ers are already looking at next year. Oh, yeah. The Chiefs will start looking at next year like tomorrow, right? <laughs> so we're looking at next year, too, and we'll see what the Vikings do in free agency with the draft into the OTAs. And next thing you know, it'll be August, and training camp will be here. All right. Great stuff, Sage. Uh, we'll leave you on that and plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about all off season long. And we will be here every day from 2 to 4 talking football. So we'll hand it off to Mackie and Judd with Rob. Tommy, I know they have thoughts. We didn't get to the halftime show and commercials, but I think that they will. So. <laughs> or or Steve Hutchinson, uh, former yeah, Viking. Yeah, you're right. Well, why don't uh, why don't you just uh, also, shout out to uh, you him? Know, shout out to Steve Hutch and and uh, you know a, a great guard. When I was here with Favre, he was our left guard and just a, like one of the strongest offensive linemen uh, that I that I saw uh, over the, my course of journey around the NFL. But uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. And uh, in and sort of a neat Hall of Fame class, but you know Hutch uh, had to wait a couple years. Uh, but I think most people thought that he would get in, and obviously he was really, really good with the Seattle Seahawks, and then uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, and he is now a Hall of Famer. Yeah, very cool. And more offensive linemen need to get in, and I think we'll do a better job of that in the future. Now with numbers like Pro Football Focus, and people are more aware of who those guys are. So, uh, well, I appreciate your time, Sage, as always. Thanks for coming in studio. And we'll hand the ball off now to Mackie and Judd with Rami. We'll catch you tomorrow. Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone will be in then here on Purple Daily. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.